Welcome to the Smith and Rowland Show. Let's join our host, Alan Smith and Jeff Rowland. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Smith and Rowland Unplugged Podcast, where we only say things of a serious nature. We refuse all foolish jesting and foolish utterances. So we're attempting to be completely serious on every level. Welcome our guest, Alan Smith. Don't leave out. No apologies. Don't leave out. <laughs> no apologies. I forgot that. I'll save that for tomorrow. There's a big spill on no apologies. I want to no get apologies. into I'm telling you. Well, we better not make too much out of it because we'll end up having to have a whole show apologizing. Good morning, world. Good morning, <laughs> Hello, world. world. To the Smith and Roland, the all the world renowned. That's exactly right. World renowned. Smith and Roland, uh, it, glad to have you. Yeah. And Jason is not usually with us on these unplugs, so we can say anything about him that we'd like. Uh, <laughs> right. Jason is our sidekick. Uh, he's on Smith and Roland show on Sundays. Yes. And uh, we can talk about him. We can do anything. The only problem, he is our guy that makes all of this work. So we have to, and, be, we have yes. to withhold a lot of truth about Brother Jason. Yes. And furthermore, Jason Barr is my friend. I just wanted to say, oh, oh, poor Jason, <laughs> Mister Olin. Yes, Mr. Merry Smith. Christmas. Would you like me to do my rendition? Please ab- of, uh, abstain. Please listen, abstain. the fan mail. Oh. You just wouldn't believe the fan mail on my. Yeah, I would. Of, I, I but, would. I'm the only one that sent it in. Yeah, well, that was hate mail. <laughs> hate mail. Okay, I withhold. I withhold. But we do have some other dangers other than my singing. You're singing of white Christian. Yes, yes. yes. We mm-hmm. have other dangers here. Yes. The last two days, Jeff, we've been going over this article called the dangers of uh, millennialism. Yeah. And the first day we went over, and in this article, it is, who is the guy? Alan, Alan Ditto, Ditto did this article, and we think it's a pretty good article, at least a very good article for discussion. The first day we did the core of uh, millennialism and its flaws. Yeah. Then we did the broader scriptural context. We hit on that a little bit three days ago, and then yesterday. And then yep. yesterday, we also did the dangers of our millennialism. That right. is a really good podcast to actually yep. uh, watch, which was yesterday's podcast. Yep. And today, we are going to cover the last part of that article, which is the strength of pre-millennialism. Jeff, there's a, when we start using this type of terminology of pre-millennialism, perhaps you could bring us a little more definition again. You have millennialism, which we've been talking about, and then you got premillennialism, and then you got pre-tribulation, and a lot of times yeah, those people are, get yeah. those confused. And I do well. Yeah, so maybe you could, as we begin this, this, you know, our little rant this morning, if you will, give us a little definitions of premillennialism. Well, let's just start with the millennium. The okay. millennium is a thousand years. We see that's Revelation twenty describes the millennium as a thousand. That's what we use the term for to describe right. the thousand year reign of Christ. So to be pre-millennial means that you believe the coming of Christ is before the millennium. Yes. And to be post-millennial would mean that you believe that the coming of Christ takes place after the millennium. The difference between post-millennial and amillennial is that the post-millennialists believe that the millennium has not yet happened uh-huh. because Christ, Satan, has not been bound yet for a thousand years. So they view the millennium as something yet future. All millennialism believes that the millennium is happening or has happened already. Yeah, and that or, we're or we're living in it. Or we're yeah. living in it now. 
those are the difference. And to say you're premillennial does not necessarily mean that you are pre-tribulation rapture of the church. You can okay. be premillennial and believe in a mid-trib rapture. You can be premillennial and believe in a post-trib rapture. My but those goodness. are different. There's a difference there between premillennialism and postmillennialism. And we yep. shouldn't get confused over that because a postmillennialist believes that Christ is that we're going to live through the millennium, just like we are, the thousand-year reign of Christ, enter into the thousand-year kingdom age, and then he's going to return at the end of the millennium to enter in the eternal state. All millennialists believe the rapture is going to take place, and then you get to the new heaven, new earth, the eternal yeah. state. So there's just a difference there in those interpretations of Scripture. To not believe that, I just think it's completely, it tears down the integrity of Scripture if you are all millennialist. In other words, it does away, or even post-millennial, to this degree. It tears down the doctrine of eminence, which is a doctrine in the That's Scripture. Right. It then places all of the prophetic signs before the rapture, it places it in your life right now. Now, there is a difference between what we are seeing right now and the fulfillment of what we're seeing right now. And you and I have done podcasts on this and I encourage people to listen to it on the spirit of the word and the literal letter of the word. I believe that in the spirit of the word, once God drops a truth into time, that the spirit of that word becomes immediately operational it is immediately active, and it is in place until its time of fulfillment. So that's why I believe we're seeing wars and rumors of wars, famines across the land, earthquakes increasing, all of the signs of Matthew 24 that point to the second coming, not to the rapture, but to the second coming. We are seeing the spirit of that already in operation. The total fulfillment of that, we can pinpoint it to the book of Revelation in the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of great tribulation and tribulation. So I do believe that there is the spirit of the word and the letter of the word, and I stand on the premillennial eschatological view of scripture. If you're going to get, get into end times, premillennialism is in fact where I stand. I heard something today, Alan, that's, that was quite intriguing. If you're going to tackle eschatology, which is the study of end times, you have to have a grasp of the complete plan of God and the totality of his word. And I heard a preacher say today that that's why a lot of pastors don't engage in eschatology because you've got to know the whole plan of God. You've got to be settled on the entire plan of God in order to have that doctrine correct and settled in your mind. And it leads you to believe that most people don't have it settled in their mind. In other words, they don't know what they believe as far as end times go. And if you waver in what you believe on the end times, normally it's because you're not really settled on what is the doctrine of the gospel of God's grace and the timeline for that and the church age. You're not settled in those areas. So that's one thing, one reason why that people struggle concerning premillennialism, amillennialism, postmillennialism. Most people are not settled on it. It'd surprise us all to know just how many people even deny, as amillennialists do, they deny a literal kingdom of God. Postmillennialists uh -huh. don't deny a literal kingdom. Premillennialists don't deny a literal kingdom. But amillennialists deny a literal kingdom of God. And it's because they don't know the totality of God's plan. Right. Well, I'm not too sure about the post millennials, Jeff. If they 
the post millennialist, according to this chart that we have here the, in this article, he's got the second coming at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. I don't know how yes. you can do that when you have the millennial reign of Christ. That goes together. Millennium. Yes, it does. And reign of Christ is the same in the same sentence. So it's really beyond me how people can do that type of mental calisthenics. But in all honesty, and this isn't to bring shame to anyone, in all honesty, if you don't have that big picture in mind, as you just mentioned, of the whole scripture, if you don't, let me say it like this. It's in, I've said it before, Jeff. If you take the first two chapters of Genesis, first two chapters of the Bible. And if you take the last two chapters of the Bible, first two chapters and the last two chapters, and put them together, that'll give you, uh, just call that a Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and then the last two chapters, 21, 22, Revelation, yep. put them together, and you have an idea of what God did all this for. And that's what we call the whole story. That's, yeah. the, that's the big picture. The yeah. big picture is the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible. That's what we call the big picture. And I call it a complete Bible had Genesis chapter three not happened, yeah. which is the fall of man. Now, that's very, very important because we understand the first two chapters of the Bible is the creation of heavens and the earth. In other words, chapters one and two of Genesis, God was in a building program. He was yeah. created in the heavens and the earth. And then the last two chapters of the Bible tells you why he was created in the heavens of the, and the earth. He was <laughs> going to send his city down to this earth. Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years to get it cleaned back up. And then his city was going to sit here and the universes will be ruled and reigned from planet earth, yeah. if you believe the Bible. And so you've got all of this content, though, in between the first two chapters and the last two chapters. You get all of this content. And the and in between the first two chapters and last two chapters is how much Bible it took to get us after the fall in Genesis 3 to get the earth back up to speed so we could walk into Revelation chapter 21. Yeah. So my point is to say what you're saying, I don't think... When you come up with post-millennialism, millennialism, as you said, I'm echoing what you're saying, I'm trying to, is people don't have an understanding or a grasp of this whole picture. That's you know, right. This whole big story. Let me take a movie, any movie. Take Gone with the Wind. It had a beginning and it had an end. And in the beginning, you have the end. At the end, there was a destruction, but it was ready to be rebuilt in the Gone with the Wind. But you had all this story in the middle. And if yeah. you don't understand the whole story, if you don't understand the beginning and the end, you don't know why God's doing what he's doing. Yeah, that's right. And when you and I tend to be more dispensational, the truth is we're a Duke's mixture of uh, other, probably some different concepts, but we're basically dispensational and in our Bible interpretation. And when he gives you this whole understanding, then it's out of the big understanding that we're pre-millennial. You can't, yeah, that's right. you can't just sit down to say this verse, this verse, this verse. Okay, here's why we're pre-millennial. I mean, we can take those verses, but you've got to see the big picture, the whole, what is yeah, God doing right. here? And that's where we get our understanding from is the big picture. So when people say, well, why do you believe what you believe? Believe, you'd almost have to say, well, I need to give you about a year Bible study to show yeah. you how we got our conclusions. Well, I got to tell you, my premillennial view begins in Genesis 3.15. And right. if there's not proper understanding of Genesis 3.15, then you don't have the total picture of God's redemptive purposes and plan. In Genesis 3.15, you have the seed of Satan and you have the seed of God. That's right. 
And so at that point, as you follow the scriptures through, God chooses a people in which Jesus would be born from. I seen a, a ridiculous thing on the news this morning where someone had went to a nativity scene and spray painted that Jesus was a Palestinian. Well, we know that Jesus was a Jew. At his crucifixion, there was a sign hung over him, King of the Jews. He was of Jewish descent. He come from the line of David. And God chose a nation in which to bring the Messiah to the earth. And so from that concept, you have God's plan for a chosen people to bring the Messiah to the earth. Uh -huh. And then from that, the Lord instituted a prophetic concept in talking to Peter, saying, upon this rock, I will build my church. Mm -hmm. And that church was a church that was neither Jew nor Gentile. Mm -hmm. It was his body. So mm -hmm. there is a division between the church and the nation of Israel. And God has a program and a plan for both. They right. are unified at the end. But as we are walking through it, there is a division. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand God's program for Israel and God's program for the church. And because they're two different programs, that's where my premillennial view begins is with Genesis 3.15. Mm -hmm. And it follows mm -hmm. the whole line of scripture. So yeah. again, my point is, is, is you've got to have an entire view of the Word of God, the totality of the Word of God, in order to see your eschatology in the right way. This guy talks about the strength of premillennialism, Alan, and he, he says that premillennialism holds that Christ will return physically to earth before the millennium, right. establishing a literal thousand-year reign as depicted in Revelation 20. This interpretation maintains the literal and historical reading of Scripture, ensuring consistency and upholding the integrity of God's Word. Now, what you and I was just talking about is basically the definition of his statement in this article. Uh -huh. And then he gives some value to it by outlining it this way. He says, first of all, the strength of premillennialism is it upholds scriptural integrity. Right. Premillennialism takes God's promises at face value, whether they right. concern individual salvation, the church, or Israel. Revelation 20 depicts the martyrs reigning with Christ for a thousand years, a clear indication of a literal future event. And I agree yeah. with that. But you've got yeah. to make those divisions uh -huh. between the church and Israel. And it takes God's promises at face value. A premillennial view of Scripture takes God's promises at face value. How can you say my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. If your view of scripture is allegorical and symbolic, then I want to know how that your needs are then symbolic and met symbolically in a physical world. It just That's can't be hard. It can't be. Now, well, it's you and I both know it's just playing around with words, trying to skew truth. And why I say skew truth, that's probably shouldn't said it like that. Playing around with words, trying to make the Bible work under different theological systems. And I, I understand that. And I get that. And people trying to make, we almost feel like we're defending the scriptures because we're making them stay true. Between me and you, the Bible doesn't need us defending no, it. And let me ask you a question. I'd like for you to respond to this. 
Most people, when they come, I've preached this before. Most people, when they come to church, they're not coming to church to learn something. They're merely coming to church to hear, hopefully, what they already preconceived in their mind believed to be true, and they want somebody to affirm it. If they don't find that affirmation of what their opinion already is, their preconceived opinion, if they don't find that affirmation, here's what they do. They find another church, or they fire the pastor. They don't mm-hmm. come to the Word of God with an open mind, ready to allow the Holy Spirit to teach them something. So therefore, man's opinion becomes the principle that he follows. Instead of looking for the big principles of the Word of God to set a framework in your mind so that you can properly receive the Word of God. I honestly believe, Alan, that that was taught. If you listen to Acts 7 and the message of Stephen when he's being stoned, he takes them from the beginning of Jewish history all the way through. He's trying to show them the bigger picture, because Mm -hmm. if you have the Logos, then Rhema can flow out of you. But if you don't have Logos, Rhema can't flow out of you properly. You will misinterpret Rhema if you don't know the Logos. Stephen was trying to teach them the whole history of the Jewish nation right in the message before his death. He was trying to get them to see the bigger picture. And so I'm just saying that when you come to the Apostle Paul, that is a piece of the puzzle in the bigger picture. But you've got to have the bigger picture in mind in order to really even interpret what is the church age, who we are, the gospel of God's grace. Is there a difference between the gospel of the grace of God and the gospel of the kingdom of God? Is there a difference between those two gospels and the everlasting gospel that is preached? Are there differences here? Well, if there Uh is distinctions made in those things, then there's differences. But there is an overall redemptive plan of God that you have to fit the pieces of the puzzle into. And I do believe that most people, and please comment to this, they use their opinion, their preconceived opinion about God, about justice, about wrath, about mercy. They have these preconceived ideas in their mind, and they're looking for affirmation for that. So they take out a passage of scripture and put it to that opinion, and then they try to make the whole word of God fit to their opinion instead of forming their opinions out of the whole word of God. Okay, let me respond to that. I'm in total agreement with you. I want to say, though, that we're not saying, I don't think, and I know you're not saying, we're saying everybody that goes to church is this way. We're saying that you're saying that there are a group, there's some people, we know, Jeff, that there's some people come to church, pen and paper, they're sitting there and they want to learn. And yes. uh, they're teachable. You're talking yes. about those that are closed off from teaching. Yes. Their minds yes. are made up. You can't break your brain you couldn't teach them something new if you put it on on a marshmallow or something. They wouldn't. That's swallow right. It. That's right. So that group of people, in which I think we all have to be careful. I mean, the scriptures tell us us to be a, like a Berean. In other words, study those things that you've heard yes. uh, to see if they're so. But what you're addressing is this Christian who has been taught, and for some reason, at a place and time in their life, they say, "I'm not going to be taught anymore. This is all I want to know," and so therefore, I am settling in this spot. I'm in concrete. You can't move me. I don't need to know anymore. I don't want to know anymore. I know all I need to know. So therefore I will sit where I am. And when you take that type of attitude, you become complacent. You're not any good much to the kingdom of God because you, as a Christian, we are at a constant place of learning. I'm 71 years old, Jeff, and I'm more hungry now about learning than I've ever been in my entire life. And that is the truth. But I have learned that we need to stay in a place of learning. 
Yes. So, and that's, that's what makes the relationship with Christ alive. That's what makes it real because he's constantly teaching us. Jeff, as it goes on into this, this article here, he goes down and he cites one thing here, upholding scriptural integrity. Then he says, emphasizing the emissary of Christ's return and recognizing the role of Israel. Mm-hmm. I think those three topics that he put here is a type of what we would call rightly dividing. If you don't rightly divide or handle correctly some translation says, if we're not handling the Word of God correctly, we're going to come up with these different ideas that actually don't make sense. But I'll say you this, Jeff, you've got to allegorize it or your theology or your eschatology won't work. That's right. If you if no. you you're forced to let's let me put it that way. Yeah. You're forced to yeah. allegorize it. Well, for example, in emphasizing in the imminency of Christ's return, the doctrine of imminency is important in Scripture. Matthew 24 that he cites urges us to keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Right. Now, we are. I honestly believe you cannot take that. One verse is violated by millennialism. It is violated by postmillennialism because yep. you could trace it to the day. The book of Revelation goes into explicit. There is absolutely no way. At one place, it talks about 42 months. Then it talks about 1260 days. It is yeah, accurate to, to the, the day. You can pinpoint it to the day if you become a post-trib rapture viewer. That's just yeah. one sense of what I'm talking about. But now, going back to what you were saying in terms of that, dispensationalism, for example, I read something last night that where someone had written in a comment on a video that dispensationalism is not a biblical hermeneutical principle. Now, just consider this for a minute. I am more dispensational than I am, for example, a covenant theology. But that does not mean that I don't believe in the covenants. Well, there this, is, your dispensationalism includes It includes covenants. Now, would I be considered, most dispensationalists would probably say, you're not a dispensationalist because you disagree with this one point of dispensationalism. But I know that the principle of dispensationalism is true. You Mm -hmm. have to view it. It is true. There are times when God dispensed truth. He built truth upon truth. So that Uh principle is correct. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm going to cross my T's and dot my I's like every dispensationalist out there. I don't. I know that there are covenants in the Bible. Some are conditional, some are unconditional. But that's not the only prism with which I look at the Word of God through. But I do include those covenants because they're in the Word of God. That's the point I'm trying to make. If your worldview is merely, if it's merely around dispensationalism, you'll miss That's right. some of what God is doing. If mm-hmm. your worldview, if your biblical view is just around the covenants, you'll miss much of what God is doing. Yeah. That's the uh-huh. thing that I'm trying to, now when he's saying <laughs> that premillennialism emphasizes the imminency of Christ's return, I agree with that. If you don't view that, if you can't take that truth and say, where does that fit into my interpretive principles of the Word of God? If you don't do that, if you don't take that doctrine of imminency and place it in there, you're going to be left trying to explain it away, which is why they just make everything an allegory or a symbol. Mm -hmm. The -hmm. problem is, is there is no interpretation behind what you would symbolize and what you don't. So if you make everything an allegory or everything a symbol, then you have to arrive at only one conclusion that we talked about yesterday, 
which is in the end, everybody's going to be saved. So it don't make any difference. And so that's what I'm saying. When people come to church and they have only one viewpoint of scripture or only one opinion, then they're trying to validate their opinion. And what happens is, is they miss much of what God is doing and wants to do even in their own lives. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, yeah, it does to me. So I it would say that in keeping with what you came up with one time we were talking and man, you hit it out of the park. I think it was from the Holy Spirit that one doesn't include two, but two includes one. Two doesn't include three, but three includes one and two. Right. In premillennialism, if you can grab a hold of this, Premillennialism would include postmillennialism and amillennialism. Uh, that's right. That's exactly But the other right. two doesn't include premillennialism. That's exactly right. I think that's a hermeneutic principle to yep. interpret the Word of God, mm-hmm. is that what God has done is included in what God is doing. But what God done in the past did not include what God is doing now. Uh, that's exactly right. And that's the reason it's hard for you and I to discuss different interpretations of the scriptures because ours includes theirs. They're, exactly. But they're not they're not seeing ours. Yeah, know, that's right. Is what that's happens. Right. And and we can uh, debate right. it all day long. But three includes one and two. You might that's have a one and you might have a two. But yeah. we're talking about a three. There that's there's a three <laughs> there is a day after a two. The truth is, Jeff, it's in the believer's heart to be at a three. You see, yes. it includes, yes. I think that was wonderful the way you said it at premillennialism, that yep. like with us, we include post and ah, <laughs> we can include that. We don't have any problem. We, we have no problem with what you're saying. We think that on a, if you put it on a timeline, we think that you put some of your truth at the wrong place on the timeline. So it's not like we're debating certain truths. It's like a replacement theology. They're trying to do something, trying to explain, okay, Jesus said the kingdom of God's within you. He didn't say, I'm going to destroy Israel and do away with Israel so the kingdom of God can be within you Gentiles. Mm -hmm. If he meant that, he'd have said it. That's right. (laughs) But he didn't. What he did was he expanded a literal kingdom. A literal kingdom is also in your heart. That's it's just right. like I've said before, the United States, I'm a member of the United States, and I've got it in my heart. And we yes. say, well, how can you have both at the same time? Well, you you got to have the first one before you can have the second before one. Before you can have the second one. The only place of non-forgiveness, I think, Jeff, or you know, not rightly dividing is if you're pulling for the Dallas Cowboys. And you say, there's <laughs> absolutely no understand, biblical understanding. That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm for, so yeah, you see, that. Well, I'm just, well, that's a yeah. brace I mean, I'm just pulling something out of context. That's got yeah. my point. You see what I'm saying? The greatest pair of Bible interpretations <laughs> being a Cowboys fan. I have to agree. I, I, well, I mean, you can tell I had to throw that in there. We're out of time, Roland. <laughs> yeah, hey, can we pick this up tomorrow? Because they, We're going they, to have I, to. If we can, because I just want to, if I can frame it, and I'm hoping we'll remember this before tomorrow, because Alan, we need to talk about the some of the types and shadows of the Old Testament that was in place, the sacrificial systems, all of those things. I go back to, you know, three includes one and two. Yeah, I go yeah. back to when God drops the truth into time, it is active at that moment, all the way uh-huh. till its fulfillment. That's right. That's how three includes one and two in my That's mind. That's right. You know, I want to talk about those things. I, we'll do it. I okay, know where we'll, we are. I think we'll, we're in uh, overtime. Well, we're fine, we'll, but we'll pick her back up, buddy. That's what we'll do because we're getting close to Christmas. And I can't wait to see what you got. <laughs> you know, my, my gift to the world is just me. Oh, my. I can't, I can't build on Oh, mercy. Me. Where is the editor? Oh, <laughs> this will, that needs to hit the floor. <laughs>
Bless right, Roland. Yeah. <laughs> bless okay. Avery's little heart. Merry yeah, Christmas. And uh, remember Merry something. One one thing. Remember, we need to be in prayer for Jason because he is yes, screwed, yes. you know. He yes, is that's right. His bug attitude is starting yeah, to get on my last it is. I drove by his house the other day, and he's got some donkeys out there, and yeah. they were all green. They were all green. Yeah, yeah. no, grinching the whole thing. So we'll, we'll just, right. don't yeah. forget him in your prayers. That's right. I'll be lifting him up. Yeah. Say bye. Bye. Thank you for joining today's Smith and Rowland show. You can check out our website at kingdompropheticsociety.org and our daily unplugged podcast at smithandrollandshow.podbean.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.